and whether you're here this morning and you say, hey, I have made the decision to follow Jesus and I've received that forgiveness, or you're at a point where you go, I don't know that Jesus's forgiveness can extend to my sins, to the, to the life that I've lived. Let me assure you, let me, let me constantly point you to God's word where it is, it is promised to us that, that you can declare the, the theme of that song that you have been forgiven um, and that Jesus loves you so much that his death extends over all of our sins. And one of the things that we're, we're looking at, and we started last week, is looking at what Jesus has called us as believers to do in and through the Great Commission. And so this is in Matthew um, chapter 28, and it says this, verses 18 through 20. It'll be on the screen for you if you can follow along. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up and read along. Uh, as we do this, but this is in, in Matthew 28. This is the last thing that Jesus says before he ascends into heaven. Um, we looked last week at what it looks like to make disciples, that it's not something that, there, that, that we must overcome like incredible difficulties, but it's something that happens every single day. And so we've been looking through um, the Great Commission to see what we have been called to do as believers. And here's the thing. I'm on, for, the, for the first time in a long time, I am on a time a timer today. Usually it's just like whatever. I don't care, but we have to get over and observe baptisms later. Um, and so we're going to be flying through this. And so if you're like, hey, Ryan, I, you lost me. I forgot what you said. Check out the podcast this week to refresh your mind, to come back, because we're going to be flying through this. We're going to be hitting a lot of different things. And so um, just bear with me as we jump in. And so this is what it says. This is the last thing that Jesus tells us, the, the Great Commission. He says this, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That is it. That's what we need to do. And then he gives us two things in which we do to make disciples. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so that's what we learned last week is what we're called to do. And so today we're going to look at baptism. We're going to look at what baptism is, why we get baptized, how we get baptized. We're going to look at all of those things, and the place that we need to go is into Acts chapter 2. It's into Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 41. Go ahead and fire through there if you can get there. If not, don't worry about it. And this is what it says. <clears throat> so last week, we, we talked about discipleship what it looks like. If you want to go, Ryan, what is the action steps? Read the book of Acts. It is the growth. It is the development of the early church. It tells us what we need to do. It gives us great examples of what it looks like to disciple somebody, to walk beside them. It is the fulfillment, the beginning of the fulfillment of the Great Commission for the early church that has led us to where we are today. And so we'll pick up Acts chapter 2, verse 36. It says, um, let, let the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made both him, Lord, and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to their heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day to the number. There were, there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I pray that you would use me as your vessel this morning to get through um, what you want 
for us to, to know and to pursue. And so, God, as we look at this gift that you've given us, as we look at the, the things that you have called us to do in baptism, Father, I pray that we would see it, we would respond to it. And so, God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love. And thank you for giving us uh, a call to duty so that we know what it is that we need to accomplish. Uh, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, so I'm married. Um, and every day uh, of my life, I wear this ring uh, everywhere I go, whether I'm at the gym, whether I am at work, whether I am dropping the kids off at daycare, whether I am grabbing something to eat. I wear this. I rarely take it off. I rarely, if ever, take it off. And if I take it off, it's to play with it and fiddle with it. But the reality is I wear it all the time. But here's the thing about this ring. If I take it off or if I were to lose it or if it were somehow to break and it would no longer be on my finger, am I still married? Yes. Like this ring does not define the fact that I am married. This ring holds no value in the fact that I am married, that I made a commitment to Emily Shumway uh, almost 10 years ago to be her husband. What this ring actually is, is simply a symbol. It's a symbol of the relationship that I have with my wife. And so I know when my parents were growing up, they didn't purchase rings, and so they don't wear rings, and um, and, and even if I lose it, it still, it still means that I'm married. It, it holds no significance in the commitment. It just simply is a symbol of the commitment that I made to my wife. And I think one of the things we need to understand is that's what baptism is as well. It is an outward symbol of an internal decision that we made to follow Jesus. Baptism is just that. And Jesus calls us in the Great Commission to, to make disciples, and one of the steps that we need to take in that is through baptism. And so one of the things that I found as I interact with students and interact with adults, there is a lot of confusion, there is a lot of uh, misinformation, and there is a lot of just I don't knows about baptism. And so I want to take some time today, before we observe it, before we go in and watch some of your peers and a small group leader of yours and other people make the, the action to show the symbol of a relationship with Jesus, to understand what that looks like. Because if we were to just go in there and observe it, we may not fully understand what it means and why we do it and how we do it and what we do it for. And so today I want to do just that. I want to spend the next couple moments talking through why we get baptized, how we get baptized, who gets baptized, when we get baptized, and what baptism is. And so we'll start there at the what. And baptism is just that. It's a public demonstration or act of an, inter or of an internal spiritual transformation. And so essentially what it is, is it's, it's an outward act of a decision that we made to follow Jesus. It's a declaration. We use that word, and you'll hear that, 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 that phrase a lot when we head into the room. It's a public declaration of faith. And so Jesus directs us to this baptism. We see from his life that baptism is vital. It is important um, to our pursuit of a relationship with Jesus. And so let's jump into the why. Um, and before, before we fully jump in there, here's what I want to I get it across um, and make sure that we all understand that 
that baptism is not a requirement for salvation, okay? Um, our, our, our friends in the Catholic Church would disagree with us here, but as, as we, and as, when I speak of we, I speak of the chapel, but I also speak on behalf of myself. When we look at Scripture and see what baptism is, it is not required for salvation. So God is not in heaven saying, hey, did you give your life to Jesus? Yes, you did. Okay, did you get baptized? No, okay, you're not welcome here. No, the only way, the only way to the Father is through the Son. The only way that we inherit, that we gain, that we attain eternal life is through Jesus. And so know this, that we receive grace alone Grace is the gift from God. We receive grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. And so as you find yourself this morning, know that baptism is not a requirement to spend eternity with Jesus. It is Jesus alone. It would actually cheapen God's grace if it was like, hey, now you've received this, you must do this thing. No, grace is a free gift that is offered to each and every one of us, and there is nothing that we can do to earn it. It's just given. We receive it. We put our faith in Jesus, and we can say, I am secure in Jesus. We also know that baptism is not a requirement for salvation because as we looked a couple weeks ago, the criminal on the cross who puts his faith in Jesus, Jesus says, Today you will be with me in paradise. It wasn't like, hey, quick, get this man off the cross so that we can baptize him so that he can spend eternity with me. No, he put his faith in Jesus, and from that account, we see that is the only requirement to receive the gift of salvation. And so know that. Know that it's nothing else but putting your faith in Jesus. So the why. Why do we get baptized? There's a, three reasons that, that, we've ident that, that, that I've identified from, from God's word. And the first one is we follow the example of Christ. In Matthew chapter 3, we see the baptism of Jesus. Chapter 3, verse 13 through 17, it says, And then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, Jesus, and, you, and yet you do, and, and do you come to me? He's saying, hold on a second, Jesus, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. Jesus answered him and saying, let it, be let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented, and, he, and when Jesus was baptized immediately, he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens opened to him, and saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And so we see there, Jesus is displaying baptism. We're following the example that Jesus has set out for us. Jesus himself was baptized. As we decide to pursue a relationship with Jesus, we say, I want to become more and more like the person of Jesus. And so I look into his word to see how he lived his life, to see how he connected to God the Father, and we begin to follow that example. And so we do that first and foremost, to follow the example of Christ. The second reason is in this series that we are looking at, in the Great Commission, Jesus commands us to, in fact, be baptized. Jesus commands us to do this. He says, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the, Holy, of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
And so if we look there and we go, okay, if he's calling those to make disciples and to baptize them, those who are disciples of Jesus, those who are following Jesus need to, in fact, be baptized themselves. And so we're obeying the command that Jesus has given us as believers. And then the last, the, the last example is found in Ephesians in Paul's writing here. And it's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. He says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is, who is over all and through all and in all. And notice he says there that we believe in one Lord, we believe in one faith, and one baptism. And we, can't, we need to follow the directions, these, the flow of these things. We need to believe in these things. We need to pursue these things. And when we do these, Paul is telling us that it unites us with Christ, but it also unites us as a church body. And so why do we get baptized? To follow the example of Christ, to obey the command of Christ, and to unite the body with Christ. And so I think one of the things I want to look at there is that, that peace, to obey the command of Christ. Now, it is not required for salvation, for those of you who are in a relationship with Jesus, it is not required for salvation. But if you are sitting here this morning and you say, I have a relationship with Jesus, but I have not been baptized, you are being disobedient to God. Okay? And so what we need to do is we need to respond in obedience and say, I've put my faith in Jesus. I now must be baptized. I'm going to obey the commands of Jesus, very much like Jesus taught us how to live our lives. He gave us an incredible, incredible bite-sized direction in love God and love others. And so Jesus says, you need to be baptized. And so I want to reiterate that. If you are sitting in here this morning and you have not been baptized, but you have a relationship with Jesus, you are in disobedience to God. We'll get to what do I do about that? If I find myself in that situation, what do I do about that? We'll get to there as we get into the who and the when. So that's the why. We pursue baptism to follow the example of Christ, to obey the command of Christ, and to unite with the body. So how do I get baptized? Well, I think we are going to get ready to explore this. And the word that we use is called full immersion. And so that means that we take the person who's being baptized and fully immerse them in water. And we hold them down there, but we don't hold them down there for long, as some are afraid this morning that may happen. But what, what we do is it's a symbol of the resurrection of Jesus. And so Jesus didn't stay in the grave. He resurrected from the grave. And so we put them underwater, and then we pull them back up, fully immersing them in water. Because as I look to Scripture, as we look to Scripture, we see some details that show us this is what Jesus' baptism looked like, and this is what some of the baptisms of the early church looked like that were following the direction and the call of Jesus. We saw there from Matthew... From Matthew chapter 3, it says, Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. If you came up from the water, it doesn't say that he was sprinkled with water. It doesn't say that he was doused with water. He came up out of the water. And so that tells us that he was fully immersed. We also see um, in, in, in Acts, we, we see in Acts um, <clears throat> chapter 8, 
Philip meets this Ethiopian eunuch who um, he, he, he shares the gospel with this Ethiopian man and immediately he gives his life to Christ and it says they saw some water and they went down and he came up out of the water. And so from some of these context clues, some of, the, some of scripture, we see that full immersion is how we get baptized. You find a body of water and you get baptized. You go fully under it and you come fully out of it. In scripture, and for those of you who are, who are really smart in literature, you understand that oftentimes in literature, water symbolizes death and or cleansing. And in baptism, in baptism, it symbolizes both. We enter into the death that Jesus died, but we come out of that death that Jesus won victory over. And also, it's a symbol of what happened to our souls when we invited Jesus into our hearts. He cleansed us and washed away our sins, and we found forgiveness. And so how do we get baptized? Full immersion. We go all the way under the water and come all the way out. Which brings us to who? Who should be baptized? We talked about this a little bit. But everyone who has been born again, everyone who has entered into a relationship with Jesus should be baptized. Everyone who's saying, I'm pursuing a relationship and a life and a pursuit after the person of Jesus Christ, I want to be more like him. Everyone who has put their faith in Jesus as the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their life should be baptized. And so there's some confusion here as well between the Catholic Church. They would disagree with us. The Catholic Church would say that infants are baptized. There's a, uh, the, the Catholic Church as a whole has adopted this practice of baptizing infants, where at the church we do not practice that because an infant does not have the ability to make the decision to follow Jesus. Baptism is something that happens after we enter into a relationship with Jesus. And so an infant does not have the opportunity, does not have the mental fortitude to enter into a relationship with Jesus. And so those who should be is those who are in a relationship with Jesus. Everyone who has been born again. And so that brings us to when. Okay, Ryan, when should I be baptized? If you have a relationship with Jesus, the time that you should be baptized is the time that is most available. And so if you find yourself saying, I have not been baptized, I have not um, made the public declaration, but I have a relationship with Jesus, my response to you when you should be baptized is right away. Like right away. But baptism is a public declaration of faith. And so this isn't something like you come by the office and you say on Tuesday, hey, Ryan, I want to be baptized. And we go find a body of water and I dunk you right there. No, no, no. What it is, is we want to do this in a public forum for the church, with the church, so that it strengthens the church. It reminds the church of what baptism is. It reminds the church of the life change that Jesus is giving and offering to all people by putting their faith in him. I hear from a lot of people as I'm having interactions with them, they say this, they go, I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus before I decide to be baptized. And the reality is, if you say I've entered into a relationship with Jesus, there's nothing else that you need to know other than the fact that Jesus is saying, let's do this right now. And so when do you get baptized? As soon as you possibly can, as soon as you possibly can in a public format. 
So find yourself, come have a conversation, and we will get you on track to have a conversation with you to begin the process of getting you in a place where you will publicly declare that you are following Jesus. I think the other thing, too, that we find is sometimes as I'm interacting with students or even adults, um, they say, well, I want to be re-baptized. I want to be re-baptized. Like, I, I don't know if you don't feel like it took the first time or whatever. I don't, I don't know what that is. But there's this, this terminology that I hear students and adults say a lot that I want to be re-baptized. And the reality is there's no such thing as being re-baptized. You are baptized one time and one time alone. And so if you're like, well, Ryan, I was baptized as an infant, like the reality is no, you took a swim as an infant because you did not have the ability to put your faith in Jesus at that time. Like that's the reality of it. And so if you're at that point um, where you go, I want to, like I wasn't in a relationship with Jesus or I didn't know what it looked like to really follow Jesus when I was baptized, then you never actually were baptized. And so the call is still right there to be baptized right away. And so we've been flying through this. We've been flying through this so that we have the opportunity to go and observe some of your peers make this declaration of faith to say, hey, I made a decision to follow Jesus. For some of them, it was a couple weeks ago. I had the opportunity with some of the students who will be baptized today to sit across from them in my office and watch them transition from death into life as they received the free gift of salvation. And I had the opportunity to engage with some others who are being baptized today who made that decision um, months or years ago. But as we talk through it and they became aware, and hopefully as you have become aware of this, they go, well, I can't deny this anymore. I'm being disobedient and not pursuing this. And so I just have to respond in obedience. I have a relationship with Jesus. I know that I'm secure there. And now I need to respond in obedience to the call and the command that Jesus has put on our lives as believers to be baptized. And so my challenge for you. My question for you today is, as you just got a whirlwind of information over the last 20 minutes, like as you got a whirlwind of information, where are you at this morning? Like, are you sitting in a place where you go, man, I realize that I have been disobedient and I need to be obedient. Like, I did not know, like for some of us, we may not have gotten into the word and really understood that Jesus has called us to do this. Like this is a command, it's not a suggestion, it's a command that Jesus has given us. And so if you're in a position this morning where you're feeling that, and you're like, I need to make, I need to take this next step in my relationship with Jesus, I need to respond in obedience, here's what I would encourage you to do. My number is gonna pop up here. If you're like, hey Ryan, I wanna talk through this, I wanna, I wanna have a deeper conversation, I wanna have a better understanding, like Ryan, you talked way too fast and I actually have no idea what you said, but I want to sit down and I want to talk because the one thing I did here was I need to respond to Jesus in obedience. I would encourage you when, to, to shoot me a text and just say, hey, Ryan, this is Billy Benderson. And if your name is Billy Benderson in here, I don't know you and I apologize for calling you out this morning, but hey, it's Billy Benderson and I want to talk about baptism. I want to be obedient to the call that Jesus has placed 
on our lives to follow his commandments, to follow his directions. If if that's you this morning, I look forward to having that conversation with you. Students, as we get ready to experience this, as we get ready to celebrate this, this is like, this is like high school football, your high school team just scored the game-winning touchdown kind of celebration. Because this isn't meaning that we scored more points than the other team. This is a display. This is a symbol. This is a symbol of people, of your friends and your peers, moving from death into life because of the decision that they made to put their faith in Jesus. And so let's celebrate this this morning. If God is is putting that on your heart, shoot me a message and just say, hey, I want to talk about this. Like There is something beautiful about this, that it brings us together as the church. I love baptisms. I love days like today because it gives me the opportunity to reflect on the moment when I entered into my relationship with Jesus and remember what he has done for my life, but it also impacts emboldens me because I see students who are saying, I've made that same decision as well, and I want to declare that. I tell this to students all the, all the time. There is no real difference. There is no real difference. Baptism is a public declaration of faith, and so it would be the same as if we were to go to Starbucks, and I would stand up on the table, and I would find myself saying, hey, I need everybody's attention. I just want you to know that I'm following Jesus, and that's all I have, so thank you. But Jesus calls us in the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that he has commanded us. And this symbol, very much like this ring, is something that you should wear every single day. That as you go into the interactions, as you go into conversations, as you go into seasons of life, people go, yeah, You're living out your faith. You're sharing your baptism every single day as you go along in your life. And people just go, man, there is no denying that that person has a relationship with Jesus because they see that you are living out your faith and you're declaring your baptism on a public forum for all to see. And in that, we find ourselves fulfilling the great commission that Jesus has called us to fulfill to make disciples, to baptize them, and to teach them all that he has told us to observe. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for um, this, this awesome ordinance that you gave us as baptism, that we get to experience um, others' uh, relationship with you, that we get to see that in, in our lives and get to be reminded of that. It's my prayer, Father, that there are people in this room and in the big room that will see the stories of life change and they will say, if God's grace is big enough for them, I think it might be big enough for me as well, that people will turn to you, that they'll experience your love, that they'll experience your grace, that they'll put their faith in your son, and through that, they will experience incredible life change and that, Father, we will see many, many, many more respond to your call and then follow that up with baptism. So God, thank you for all you do. Thank you for your love. Um, Thank you for this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen.